You're listening to the Grace Covenant East Lincoln audio podcast. I'm going to ask you to take out your Bibles uh, and turn to Ephesians chapter 4. Go ahead and take out your teaching notes. Um, Today as we look to Ephesians chapter 4, Uh, There are a total of 13 verses that we want to look at. They aren't 13 consecutive verses, but they're in three very distinct sections. And I want to go ahead and give a disclaimer. Um, I'm not sure if I'll make it fully through all 13 verses because here's why. Ephesians, we've been talking about it's so rich in the doctrines of the Christian faith. And it's so rich in teaching us how we are to behave as believers. And there's so much there, it's just kind of hard not to get stuck on a couple of verses. And so today, even though we're looking at 13 verses, we're going to hang out a bit on verses 1 and 2. But I I will do my best to make sure that we at least talk a little bit about the other verses. So while you're turning there, uh, while you're taking out your teaching notes, and you may have already done that, let me ask you. I want you to think for a moment. uh, uh, Remember when you were a child. Um, And as a child, can you remember a time where you were uh, in a public place with your parents? uh, Maybe at church. Uh, maybe at, at, a, at a friend's house, a gathering at a neighbor's house. And in the midst of that time in that public place, you uh, made a decision all on your own that you were going to misbehave. In other words, you were going to act uh, in, a, in a way that did not come into alignment with the standard of your dad and your mom and more so your mom. Does anybody remember a time like that when you, you, uh, you tell me the truth? So every, somebody said every day. Um, and, and do you remember in that point where you were misbehaving, your mom was able to draw you back into line without ever saying a word? Yeah. And how did she do it? The look. Moms are gifted with the look. And when you get the look, you know what it is. Sometimes the look was accompanied with a snap of the fingers and a point, and then you really knew. And sometimes it was a, a, the look with a tilt of the head and a snap of the fingers. But what you knew is what she was uh, saying, even though she didn't say anything, is, Missy Buster, you better pull it together right now, because if you don't, there will be big consequences when you get home. Does anybody ever remember a time like that? Yeah, if you're willing to tell the truth. Well, it's because moms are all about behavior. Moms are all about behavior. And today, as we look to uh, Ephesians chapter 4, although Paul's not a mom, we find that the same is true of the Apostle Paul. Over the last three weeks, uh, we've, we've learned that the first three chapters uh, of Ephesians are filled with rich doctrine of the Christian faith. But today, as we make a transition into the latter three chapters, uh, we're going to, to see that the last three chapters are rich. They're full of practical application. Um, Paul's concern in the last three chapters of Ephesians is the behavior of the believer and his message is this. Christianity is more than a public profession of faith. I'm going to say that again. Christianity is more than just saying, yes, I'm a Christian. 
It's much, much more than that. You see, our profession as Christians are, we are in Christ. We, we are Christians. But the evidence of that profession, the way that people around us know that we are Christians is by our practice, by our behavior, by the way that we live our lives. Our practice is rooted in the understanding that Christianity is a way of life and living. And the more we know the more we're responsible for. Knowing Jesus as Savior, it must change our understanding of our identity, of who we really are in Christ. But it must also change the way we live out our lives. In fact, uh, because we're in Christ, it should impact every area uh, of our life. So we've been focusing for the last three weeks on God's work. Now we're making the transition and we're going to focus on our responsibility. So um, the first part of scripture that we want to focus on in chapter four is in chapter four, the first six verses. And I'm going to read those to you. And again, we're going to pull primarily from verses one and two, but we will draw from the other verses and then we'll drop on down to some others. So follow along as I read. It says, as a prisoner for the Lord then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. And even from those six verses, we can see that Paul is all about the behavior of the believer. Immediately, as we read in verse 1, Paul says, As a prisoner of the Lord then... And we're going to stop right there for a minute. That word then oftentimes is translated in various translations as therefore. And so that means we always have to stop and ask the question, what's it's there for? For one, it's an indicator that Paul's making a transition. He's moving from the doctrine. He's moving into the practical. But it's also a, a, an indicator for us that um, Paul is calling us uh, to a different way of living. And the way he's doing it is, is therefore is pointing us back to everything that Paul's already written in the first three chapters. Everything that we've learned, this rich doctrine of the faith, Paul is, is drawing us back to that because it, it all has to do with, with our behavior as a believer. Um, it, uh, he goes on and he says, I urge you to live a life worthy of your calling. So in context, Paul is saying, therefore, or then, or since you've been given every spiritual blessing in the heavenly. So he's drawing back from chapter 1. Since you've been given every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies. Since that you were, you were spiritually dead. But now you are alive in Christ. And since you were far off from God. But you've been brought near by the blood of Christ. And since you were aliens and strangers. But now you've been adopted into the family of God. And, and, and since you are now a dwelling place for God. And since you've been given a spirit of wisdom and understanding. That's empowered by the Holy Spirit. He says I urge or I plead with you. Or I beg you to live 
live a life worthy of all that you've received. Live a life worthy of your calling. In other words, since as Christ followers, we've been rescued and redeemed and given every spiritual blessing in Christ, we're responsible to live a life worthy of the calling that we've received. Um, this phrase, to live a life worthy of our calling, oftentimes is uh, translated walk. Simply translated walk worthy of your calling. And it implies that there would be balance. That the scales are balanced. In other words, it implies that there is a balance. The weights are equal between your profession of Jesus Christ and the way you practice that. That you live it out. They're, they're not out of balance. Your, your profession isn't greater, but they have to balance out the scales. It also implies that there is um, a, a, a constant motion, an advancement, a movement, a, a step-by-step process where you're persevering this life in Christ. And on down in verse uh, 22, verse 23, in fact, I want to read it to you. Paul gives a very simple prescription of what it means to walk a worthy, uh, 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 walk worthy of the calling that we've received. Uh, would you follow along as I read uh, beginning in verse 22? It says, you were taught with regard to your former way of life, to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Can, can you see the two steps that Paul's talking about? They're, they're very simple. Paul is saying to walk worthy of your calling looks like this. That the first step is that we identify behaviors that are associated with our old lifestyle before Christ. And we take a step and as we identify them, we take them off. Just like we're taking off a garment. We peel them off. And then we take another step because we're advancing forward. And we replace those with our identity in Christ. We put on who we are in Christ. And it's constant that we take another step and we're assessing what about my life represents the, the behaviors of my old lifestyle before Christ. And when we identify them, again, like a garment, we take them off and we take another step because we're always advancing forward and we put on Christ. We put on who we are in Christ. And so what we find to walk a walk worthy of our calling is a constant taking off and putting on, taking off and putting on. Taking off and putting on, taking off and putting on, taking off and putting on. And I go on and on because it's a lifetime process. Even as we grow, even as we're being transformed, the Holy Spirit will reveal things to us. We go, that doesn't look like Jesus. That looks like who I was before Christ. And so what do we do? We take it off and we put on Christ and we keep on. We take it off and we put it on. And that's simply what it means to walk a walk, to live a walk or walk worthy of the calling that we receive. But Paul also deals very practically with it. So practically speaking, what does it look like to live a life worthy of our calling or what does it look like to walk worthy of our calling? And to begin with, Paul makes it very clear that to walk worthy of the calling that we've received means that we would be a people who cultivate healthy relationships. 
We would be a people who cultivate healthy relationships. And in verse 2, he goes on and he gives us, he presents us with four qualities of what cultivating a, a, a healthy relationship or cultivating healthy relationships look like. And we want to look at those in a moment. But before we do, could I ask you to turn to another passage of Scripture, not in Ephesians, but in the book of James. In James chapter 1. Um, I, I want us to reference this scripture and keep it in mind as we're walking through these qualities. In James chapter 1, uh, beginning in verse 22, it says, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. So James in this passage of scripture is likening the word or telling us the word is like a mirror. When we read the word, we, we look at ourselves in the word and then we assess what is the reflection that I see in the word. Does it measure up with what I'm reading? Does it measure up with what it means to be in Christ? Does it measure up with behaviors and the lifestyle of a believer? So uh, the reason I wanted to reference that scripture and you keep it in mind is um, here's what I want you to do. Uh, keeping in mind that the word is a mirror, um, I want you, before we walk through these four qualities, uh, I want you to identify, don't do this out loud, please. I want you to identify your most challenging relationship or relationships, okay? I want you to identify your most challenging relationship or relationships. I see a lot of different expressions going on throughout the room. I don't know. I don't know how to interpret that. Um, and so what I want you to do as, as I walk you through these four qualities, I want you to see yourself looking at the mirror found in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 2. The four qualities that, that Paul presents that are necessary for cultivating a, a, a healthy relationships. And I want you to honestly say, what is the reflection that I see? And as you're doing that, I want you to identify, are there any behaviors of the old person, the person that I was before Jesus Christ that I need to take off so that I can put on who I am in Christ? Okay, so it's a little challenge. You're going to have to do a self-assessment. You have to be kind of honest with yourself. So you ready? You got your mirrors out. You ready to look at your reflection. Uh, the first quality that Paul presents is humility. Humility. And as you can see in your notes, humility has to do with serving others and placing their needs before your own. But I want to take that a step further. Serving others and placing their needs before your own. But further speaking, humility is not so much about us putting ourselves down. Instead, humility is more about us lifting other people up. Humility is the rejection of selfishness and the determination to be actively concerned about the needs of other people. Um, Humility has been described as insight into our own insignificance. In other words, humility is the opposite of pride. In the ancient world, um, humility uh, was seen in a very negative light. 
Humility was considered to be a weakness. And then Jesus comes along and he slaps that belief in the face. First, he taught about humility. And one of the places he taught about it is in Luke chapter 18, verse 14. He said, for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. And everyone who humbles himself will be exalted. So he taught about it. But not only did Jesus teach about humility, but he modeled it. He modeled it throughout his entire life, throughout his entire ministry. Particularly, we read in Philippians chapter 2 where it says that he did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but instead he emptied himself even unto death. And and, And Jesus emptying himself even unto death, he did that for us. He was putting uh, the, the needs of the world above his own. That he was willing to die because he knew that the world needed a savior. That's humility. And that's the kind of uh, humility. That's, that's the quality that is supposed to be present in, in, in our relationships. So here's the question that I want to ask you. Considering your most challenging relationship or relationships. Does that relationship include humility on your part? Does it include humility on your part? When you look at your reflection in, in, in the word, Ephesians 4, 2, where Paul is saying humility must be part of our relationships, um, what do you see? Do you see selfishness? Who, who, who are you lifting up? Are you lifting yourself up? Or are, are you lifting others up? Whose needs are you most concerned with? So as you're looking, as you're assessing, can you identify behaviors that, is, that are present in that relationship? And you go, oh, that, that doesn't look like Christ. That looks like the old life. And so I need to take a step and I need to take that behavior, uh, where the absence of humility, I need to take that off And I need to take another step and I need to put on Christ because Christ is the model of humility. So how does humility play into your most challenging relationship? The second um, quality that Paul presents is gentleness. And again, you could see in your notes that gentleness is to be kind and easy to get along with. But I want to take it a step further. Gentleness is defined as strength under control. Gentleness means that you have your emotions under control. Um, Gentleness is the opposite of self-assertion, rudeness, or harshness. Gentleness implies meekness, but it does not imply weakness. Gentleness is knowing how to get angry about the right thing at the right time. Let me say that again. Gentleness is knowing about how to get angry about the right thing at the right time. Um, Gentleness is um, the balance between never being angry and being angry all the time. Uh, The person who uh, is gentle has this ability to uh, be angry at the right time and never be angry at the wrong time. So now... I want you to think about, again, about your most challenging relationship or relationships. Is gentleness a part of that relationship? When you look in the mirror of Ephesians 4.2, 
and you consider these relationships, do you see gentleness or do you see emotions that are out of control? Do you see anger? Um, what is it that you look at? And as you're looking, do you identify behaviors that represent behaviors that are not like Christ, that are represent uh, behaviors of the person you were before your Christ and suddenly you realize, I need to take a step and I need to take that off so that I can take another step and I can put on Christ, the gentleness of Christ. So is gentleness a part of your relationships. The third quality that Paul presents is patience. Don't you love that one? Patience. And you can see there again in your notes is to be slow to anger and to give grace to others. Patience is, is very closely connected to gentleness. Listen, to be, um, to be patient is to be long-tempered as opposed to being short-tempered. In fact, if you do a word study of the word, um, uh, it actually means to be long of the nose. Uh, and you, what, what is that all about? Well, think about it. when you get angry, what happens with your breathing? You know, you just become kind of like the Incredible Hulk. And it's saying, no, 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 no. You're, you're not supposed to be long-nosed. You're supposed to be short-nosed. You're not supposed to be long. You're supposed to be long-tempered, not short-tempered. The patient person bears patiently with the faults and the imperfections of others. And I was thinking about this this week as I was studying, even this morning as I was just going over my notes, and I thought, that's a tough one. Because sometimes people can just rub me wrong. Yeah, I mean, and you're all, you're all the same, you know. But, but according to what Paul's saying, that shouldn't be, be the case. To be patient is not to be easily offended. It's the, the ability to be wronged without the need to retaliate. Uh, the patient person has staying power. That is, listen to this, they have the ability to endure hard events and obnoxious people. I, I think it would be easier if I had to just put a period after hard events, right? But then you had to go on and say, and obnoxious people. How challenging that can be. But when we look at the mirror of the word, Paul's saying that our behavior as believers and our behavior in relationships is that we are to be patient people. And that's a process. That's a process. So let me ask you, when you look at the mirror of the word here in Ephesians 4, 2, and you consider your challenging relationships, what do you see? Are you easily offended? Um, are you long-tempered or are you short-tempered? What's your response when you're wronged? Do you immediately think of payback? Um, how do you deal with hard events and obnoxious people? And as you look in the reflection of this mirror, can you identify behaviors that are part of the old person before Christ that you need to take a step and take off so you can take another step and put on Christ? These are tough questions to answer. The fourth quality that Paul presents is love. Uh, looking again to your notes, love is defined as giving to others and living to be a blessing. But once again, let's take that a little further. You know, what's, what's interesting, reflecting back in this letter that Paul wrote, again, remember, he, he, um, he visited them, and when he came back, he sent a letter. Um, it didn't work. He heard that they were not behaving, so he sent the second letter, which is actually 1 Corinthians, um, and it still didn't work. We actually know from 2 Corinthians that Paul actually uh, made 
a visit, another visit, a second visit. It's not recorded in Acts. But he, in 2 Corinthians, he talks about the time he came back to them again because they just weren't getting it. He'd had a personal visit, two different letters. He'd sent different people, and they just were really struggling. So he went out, and it says that he had a painful meeting, is how he described it, a painful visit. And uh, so it was a come-to-Jesus meeting, I guess, where he just said, and laid it on the line. And we know from 2 Corinthians and the content that we've seen there that they finally began to get it because the tone is very different. They finally discovered that the significance in life comes from serving one another, not from being selfish and wanting things your own way. Serving one another is the key. <clears throat> May that always be true for the people of Grace Covenant Statesville. Let's pray. Father, this morning we've had a chance to, um, again, just to, to sing and lift our voices and worship. We've had a chance to give. We've had a chance to talk and share and, and laugh at some goofy videos. And uh, Father, again, all of it is because of our love and, and our passion for you and our desire to live out our faith. And Father, even though our faith is incredibly personal, it was never meant to be individualistic. It was always intended to be lived in relationship with other Christ followers. So God, thank you for the people of Grace Covenant Statesville. Father, thank you for what you're building and developing here and that you've called us to be a part of it. And uh, Lord, our desire is to honor you in all that we say and do. <clears throat> Father, if there's anyone here who is feeling a little left out, I pray, God, that an extra dose of grace would be on them this morning. Father, that uh, maybe there's feelings that have been hurt or maybe things didn't set quite right. Father, I pray that you would heal that in the name of Jesus right now. And Father, maybe there's, as we're just sitting here reflecting, maybe, Father, someone comes to mind that maybe we weren't as gracious as we could have been and maybe we need to go back to them and ask for forgiveness and make sure that that relationship is right. Uh, Father, I pray that you would protect this congregation from those seeds of anger, from those seeds of strife and division, that they would not take root and that they would die quickly. Father, that your Holy Spirit would protect us as a congregation. So Father, we thank you again for this day. And Lord, as we leave this place, I ask, Father, that you would uh, continue to go before us and prepare the way. Father, that you give your people favor with uh, the tasks they put their hands to, with the relationships and the people they meet. Father, that each would be blessed this day, I pray. And it's in Jesus' name. <clears throat> Amen. Of divine things, and they had no desire to know about them. And so Paul's message to the Ephesians is, that's how you used to live. But you don't live that way any longer and don't go back into that lifestyle. Walk worthy of the calling that you have received. And the same is true for us today. Paul is saying, the word is saying to us today, there was a way that you used to live before you knew Christ. Don't let yourself slip back into that way of life. Don't take on those behaviors. But instead, as you walk, Take off the old person and put on Christ. And take off the old person and put on Christ. And recognize that it is an ongoing process of transformation and growth that we choose godliness. 
We choose not. See, I, here's what I think. I don't think that you just wake up one day. One day you are a strong believer and the next day you wake up and say, I'm not going to follow Christ today. I'm going to go back to the old way of life. I think it probably can happen. But I think it's more um, inch by inch, step by step that we get off course and we get off course and we get off course. And suddenly we realize one day I'm not walking uh, worthy of my calling, but I'm walking according to the, uh, the, the culture that is dictated by the world around me. And I've fallen into that trap. And it, here's the thing, when that happens, God is there. He is there because he says, just take off that old person and put on me. Take off that old person and, and, and put on me. Um, finally, I'm getting ready to land this plane. Um, if we... Uh, 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 <laughs> uh, Paul encourages uh, to walk a life worthy of the calling is that we would embrace transformation. And that's really what we've been talking about all morning. It's that transformation is that two-step process. We take off and we put on. And 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 I'm exaggerating it right now because it's a long-term process. It's a process that happens throughout our life. We never arrive. We will always identify something that says, that's, that's not Christ-like. I need to take that off and I need to put it on. Paul makes very plain uh, in, the, in the remaining verses. I want to read to you as I close verses 25 through the end of the chapter because it, it, it's just plain. This is what uh, walking worthy to our calling looks like. He says, therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully. To his neighbor, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. He who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work, doing something useful with his own hands, that he may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And this might be one of the hardest ones. I think this is where we find a great problem. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Listen to this. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. And I put in my notes, I just said, enough said. Can, can it get any clearer? Can it get any plainer? Uh, so those, those verses I just read, there again is another mirror for us to look at. So we, we measure ourselves against that to say... Uh, am I pursuing godness, godliness? Am I pursuing transformation? Am I involved in this process of taking off and putting on? Because I am called, we are called to be like Christ. And we've been given the power of the Holy Spirit. It's not impossible for us. There may be times where it seems impossible. But we've been given every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies in Christ. It's all there. We've been given the empowerment of the Holy Spirit so that we can take it off and rip it off and stamp it in the floor and put on Christ and just keep up the process. So the real question is, are we willing to continue to look in the mirror and are we willing to make the changes 
in our behavior that we see according to the word. And that's something you're going to have to work out as I have to work it out. And I think probably we all have some homework to do this coming week, especially when it comes to cultivating healthy relationships. I'm going to ask you to stand. I want to pray for you. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that it really is a mirror. Thank you that it's active, that it's alive. And thank you that it's our compass for life because it teaches us about you. It shows us how to walk worthy of the calling that we've received. I pray for each one of us in this room, Father God. I pray that we would continue to be a people who are willing to look in the mirror of your word And when we see our reflection, a reflection that does not look like Christ, that we would be willing to take off what we see so we can put on Christ. Father God, continually remind us that this isn't impossible because we've been empowered by the Holy Spirit. We can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. And so we depend on that today. And so I pray for every person in this room. I pray that you help us. And Father God, as they go from this place today, I pray that you bless them. I pray that this day be incredibly spectacular and filled with good things. And I pray that the light of Jesus in every person would shine bright so that everyone can see. And I pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.